Hey, welcome to the Fitness Business Blueprint Podcast. This is Justin Devonshire, and I've got a great, great episode for you today, which is going to be something you probably haven't heard before in this industry, and it's something that I do a bit differently to most other people out there, and that is growth by acquisition, how to buy out your competitors to double or triple your company size quickly without putting uh, lots of money down or without any complicated legal mumbo jumbo. So this is a very important topic and you're going to hear a lot more about this from me over the coming years because as you're going to find out in, in the next few minutes, this is the right time for this. Now, you might think this is a bit strange. You might think that you know buying out other gyms and competitors isn't for you. You might think I don't have any kind of money to do that. You might think, I don't understand all the legal all the legal contractual side of things. Is it too complicated? And I'm here to tell you it's absolutely not. You can acquire businesses. You can acquire your closest competition for um, a, a lot, lot less money than you expect, sometimes even without putting any money down whatsoever. And you can do it pretty simply. And not only that, but it's actually happening. I've been doing this for several years now as a, as a core growth strategy. And I've also mentored some of our FBB mentorship clients to be doing the same. We have one client, for example, in the UK, who for the last six months we've been doing this, working one-on-one, and he has acquired two local competitors in that time. He acquired uh, a local studio and basically you know, uh, absorbed them into his his bootcamp facility, and more recently, he's just bought a bigger um, a place that was operating as a more commercial type gym, and he's now tripled his space and taken on the client list. So this is totally possible, and you know this is pretty unique because most you know fitness marketers out there won't tell you about this because they don't really understand the real business dynamic of things. So. I'm going to tell you, first of all, three reasons why this is actually a great strategy to grow that you might not have thought of. Uh, And it is a growth strategy, okay? Because if you think about growth, just to define growth, first of all, you might think that to grow your business, usually we need to attract more leads and we need to collect more clients. I mean, that's pretty much growth in a nutshell, right? We want to... And so basically, what we're looking at here, the, the core asset that makes your business profitable is a prospect list and a client list. You know, if you had double the number of people on your client list, you're going to make a lot more money. If you had double or triple the number of people on your prospect list, you have a bigger pipeline of new clients coming in the future. So it's these two key things that we build our entire business on. If you have the asset of a client list and a prospect list, you're never going to go hungry. You're always going to be able to generate sales, generate cash and put money and put food on the table. So when it comes to buying other competitors, always remember that this is the key thing we want. We're not, we're not going to buy someone out because we want their facility necessarily, or we're not going to do it because we need their equipment. We're going to mostly be doing it because we want the customer or prospect list that they have invested time and money to build up and they've put all the work in and now we're going to organize things so they will give us those assets at a knockdown price, far, far below the money that it's worth to you. 
Okay, and you're probably thinking, why would someone do that? Okay, well, that should become clear over the next 10 or 20 minutes. So let me talk about three reasons why now is, you know, this is a brilliant strategy you might not have thought of. And growing by acquisition can actually be one of the best growth strategies. Uh, And I'll also mention as well, this is primarily going to be for those of you who are at low six figures already, maybe you're making 10, 15, 20,000 a month and you're a bit stuck. You can do this at any point, but if you're at that point of 10 to 20K a month and you're feeling a bit stuck um, and things aren't growing as fast as you'd like, this is probably going to be a perfect strategy for you. So the first reason you might want to consider this to help you go from six to low six figures to high six or seven figures is that now is the right time to buy. Now we're about to go into a recession. We've been on an upswing over the last five years, and we're about to now head into a downswing or a depression or recession, sorry. And that's really important. These these kind of cycles happen in every seven to 10 years or so. And it's really important to be aware of your bigger ecosystem that your business is involved in. So what's happening is uh, when there's an upswing and there's been an upswing in the fitness industry for the last seven to 10 years, because, you know, boot camps have become a brand new product. It's been exciting for the market. It's given the customer an alternative to a gym or a personal trainer. So boot camps have grown because they're new. And also we've had things like Facebook ads have made advertising cheaper than ever. We've had new tools like click funnels and lead pages and active campaign have come out, which have made setting up, you know, websites and funnels and technology and doing advertising simpler and cheaper than ever. You know, it used to be before 10 years ago, you'd have to pay someone 10,000 pounds to build your website. Now you can, you can get a ClickFunnels account for $99, uh, start running Facebook ads at 10 pounds a day and be generating clients overnight. And this, this has all happened in the last 10 years. So we've benefited from these tools and seen a massive upswing. And this has led to, you know, many of us like you and I filling up our camps, having multiple locations, Uh, And it's also led to more trainers getting in the business. A lot of trainers have now left the gyms. They've gone freelance. They've gone self-employed. They've, you know, they've seen the opportunity with Facebook ads. and And so they've deemed it safer to invest some of their savings or life savings into opening facilities and studios. And so there's been a massive upswing. And of course, now over the seven, 10 years, that's led to a bit of saturation because everyone's done it now. Now, the issue is that in, we're, we're projected to have a recession in 2020. It's going to be like, like the, housing, the housing market crash of 2008. And what you've got to remember is in these recessions, if you're a smart, savvy business owner, you realize these are the best times for you to be an entrepreneur. Because what happens in a recession is uh, assets that people have, people have accumulated assets Fit pros have accumulated assets over the last seven to 10 years. They, you know, they put money into their equipment, into nice facilities, customer lists, prospect lists, all the rest of it. The problem, though, is when things get tough, most of these fit pros do not know how to properly monetize their assets. And that is why we have fit pros with email lists they never market to. They have clients they don't make much money from or they lose the clients. Uh, they have facilities that aren't profitable. And most of their businesses, if these guys are making five, 10, or up to 20,000 a month, 
the reality is that 80% or more of these fitness businesses are not profitable. Maybe they make 15,000 a month, but after they pay off all the costs, taxes, and then the owner pays himself or herself something, there's generally no money left over. And if there is a bit of money left over, that will usually be put towards paying taxes in a couple of months. So that's the state of most businesses. They're operating even at six figures, but with no profits. So that's a very bad situation to be in. Okay, and it's draining the entrepreneurs and they're overwhelmed and burned out and everything else. These are the common problems of a six-figure entrepreneur. This might be the reality for many of you. Okay, so this is what's happening right now. And at the moment, when that happens and then, and then a recession hits, the problem is the entrepreneurs who are struggling just to break even are now going to be hit even harder. If a bunch of their clients leave next year because they're now afraid of spending money because the media is making the recession sound really bad, uh, or if they have one bad month in general, then instead of making 15000 and, and breaking even at 15000 now they only make 10000 but they still have to spend 15000 which now puts them at a loss and puts their business in a very delicate situation. And when that happens, uh, what those fit pros and entrepreneurs will generally want to do is they'll try and basically um, get rid of their assets. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll uh, fire team members. They'll stop paying themselves. They'll sell some equipment off. They'll downsize. And what, they, what they're desperate for now is cash. So think about that, right? We've got these things. All these fit pros now are going to be struggling. For, they're already struggling for cash. And they're going to be hurting for cash in the next 12 months as the recession makes things worse for them. On top of that, Facebook ad costs are rising. Uh, towns are more saturated. So they're trying to rely on tactics of the past that don't work anymore. They, A lot of them, have just, you know, they're, they're not going to turn things around. On top of that, they've been doing this for five to seven years. They've been continually burned out. They've got into more and more debt. They've put all their money into their equipment and stuff. And they haven't made an ROI. So at this point, many of these fit pros are likely thinking of taking up a nine to five job again. Maybe some of you have felt the same way. Okay, this is the reality. So when this downswing in the market happens, this is the perfect time where you can, if you know how to play this right, you can go in there and you can take assets that are not worth as much to the fit pro because they don't know how to monetize them, but they can be worth more to you because you will know how to flip them around and monetize them. Same with the housing crash, where you know in 2008, the housing crash happened and all these houses and properties that were valued at 100,000 pounds couldn't sell for 100,000 pounds now. So the owners had to sell them for 50,000 pounds. And the people, all the wealthy people then who come in and, and know how these markets work will buy up all the assets they can at the lower undervalued price. And then they either flip those houses, they know how to make money on those houses because they have buyers lined up or they know how to renovate and rent them or they know how to renovate the properties and flip them and sell them for more. Or they can just sit on those houses and wait for four or five years until the market starts swinging back up again. And then maybe the house, you know, they, so they purchase a the house for 50,000, they wait four or five years and suddenly when the market swings back up, the house is worth 100000 again, and they can sell and double their money. That's how properties work. But with businesses, you can actually flip the business very quickly. So you can take a business that is not making profit, 
And if you know how to turn, how to release profit in that company, you can make it profitable, right? So we'll talk about how we actually do this in just a second, but that's the first and biggest reason why. Now is the time to do this. Second um, benefit is that you, all, you when you buy a company, you also have cost efficiencies. You actually share costs because, for example, let's say you're paying for a cost like a Facebook ads manager. Now, if the businesses were separate, you'd have to pay, you know, £2,000 a month for one ads manager and maybe another 2000 for an ads manager for the other place. However, if you're merging companies together, then your one ads manager can probably run ads for both locations. So you're going to share that cost without paying more. Similarly, if you have if you have systems like Active Campaign or or a CRM for your customers or or a client software like Mindbody or Zen Planner, by sharing it under one company, you're going to have only one subscription cost. Maybe there might be a slight increase in your license usage for more users, but that might be a 10% increase, not a 100% increase of having a whole new account. So it's really good to share efficiency. Maybe even your staff. Maybe if you have a manager, for example, your manager could actually maybe work between two locations under one salary. All right. So you can actually share a lot of cost efficiencies, which is awesome because when you buy the company, then remember, you know, like as soon as you buy the company, if you can have cost efficiencies of a thousand pounds, you've immediately released a thousand pounds profit into the company once you purchase it. That's an asset that you'll have that the seller of the, of the business won't. And the third thing, the third major cool reason about this is that um, growth by acquisition is really awesome because often, and most of the time pretty much, the seller, the person you're buying the gym from, will finance the deal at 0% interest. So usually if you want to go and buy a house or a business, or especially a business that's doing really well, you're going to have to go and get a loan from somewhere. And you're going to get charged interest on that. And so you're going to have, you know, pay back an extra debt there. But when it comes to a company like this, when, when the seller is motivated to get cash and just to be rid of this business, which is a liability for them, because it's either costing them money every month, they're losing money, or it's breaking even, but it's costing them their lifestyle, their confidence, their time with their kids, they're getting burned out, it's costing them their health. It's a liability because they don't know how to run it. They've got a business they've built, but they don't know how to run. And it's costing them now. So when there's a big cost for them and it's a liability for that person, then they're motivated to just get rid of it as fast as they can for less money than it's worth. And they will give you the leverage. So we can organize uh, a way to buy this business off them and actually pay in installments. So we might put, for example, a 10% of the, of the fee down now and the rest over generally 12 to even 48 months. And a lot of them will be happy to do that with no finance, no interest on top. So how do we actually structure these kind of deals? Well, this is where it gets a bit more nuanced and you know, every deal is absolutely different. However, the first thing you wanna do is any, any sale of a business comes down to valuating the business first. You can get a professional evaluation, but that'll probably cost you a few thousand pounds. And you don't generally need it for this kind of buyout. You can just use a general formula. And one of those is is the formula of um, what's called E-B-I-T-D-A. 
okay, EBTDA, okay, which stands for earnings before interest, uh, sorry, earnings before taxes, interest, depreciations, and amortization, okay? So earnings stands for profits. And what we gen- what a business is generally valued at is, is the previous 12 months of earnings before, you know, before interest, before taxes, before depreciation, before amortization, multiplied by generally two to three. So uh, don't worry about all those terms right now. I mean, we know what taxes are. So the profits that were made, you know, before tax, uh, before any interest rates they're paying on any any um, debts they have, um, depreciation is, you know, if if a company valuation has includes assets, like for example, let's say you're buying a gym and they uh, they they've bought fifty thousand pounds of equipment, and they would probably do a valuation wrong, and they would say, well, we paid fifty thousand for the equipment. So that's an extra 50,000 the company's worth, but that's not actually true because that equipment is a depreciating asset. It's like, I can't go and buy a car for 50,000 pounds. And then if I want to sell it 10 years later to you, I can't say it's worth 50,000 pounds because it's not. It's probably depreciated down to about 20,000 by then. So what we would do in evaluation is they would, they, they can they might state what they paid for the assets and when they paid for them, but we're going to knock down the price by saying, by calculating how much those assets are actually depreciating by, because we're not paying for that amount. And amortization is pretty much, depreciation is generally what I just explained for tangible physical assets like equipment, whereas amortization is generally the same thing but for intangible things this wouldn't really apply for a gym but it's something intangible like for example if you're buying a company maybe you're buying a supplement business and they have a patent for a special ingredient or a recipe or something right and so amortization is pretty much depreciation of an intangible because if they have a patent on a supplement that patent is going to expire after a certain date and we'll have to we'll have to pay to renew it, for example. So we would deduct that cost, um, you know, from what we pay for the, for the company. The patent isn't worth what they paid for it because again, it depreciates over time. So that's what amortization is. So we would look at, we would calculate, okay, what profits did they make before all this stuff? And that's a bit, that's quite a complex formula. You can probably just go by earnings um, before tax if you want to, right? And that would probably be simple enough in this case because we're not we're not dealing with huge huge companies here. So, if you then ask, okay, so how much how many how much earnings or how much profit did the company make in the last twelve months before tax? And again, remember, most of these companies we're talking about buying out these Fitpros aren't profitable. So generally, they'll have zero profit, and zero times two to three is zero. And that's actually what happens, especially if, if the business is dependent on the owner operator, which 99% of the time they are, if, if it's dependent on that PT showing up and doing most of the work, then of course you've got an even bigger case because you could say to them, well, you might think your business is worth, you know, 20,000 pounds, but how much is it worth if you're not there? Then it's worth absolutely nothing, right? Um, you know, and so... That's generally the case. A business that relies on you is not worth anything because it's not a business, it's a job for someone. 
So when you put all these things in place, you can actually very soundly and legally and ethically uh, make a case that their business is technically worth nothing. And so this is how, actually how we end up buying some of these gyms for a pound, because we have to give them a pound for a legal transaction. Sometimes we ask them to get the pound back afterwards, right? But, um, uh, but you know, no one's just going to hand over you a pound and walk away. And, and plus, we don't want to do that to someone. We do want to make it a win-win here as much as we can. And oftentimes, you're going to want that person to stay on because they're already working with the clients. They're already doing some management. So what you want to usually do is formulate a deal where what we would do is figure out a, a relative value. So, so basically, what you're looking at is you know the, the, the value they're asking for the company is generally far, far less than that. It's actually not worth much at all. But it is worth something to you because if you get those assets, if all those, if that client list and prospect list became yours, you know, if the facility they're using came under your lease now instead of their lease and so on, then you know you can make money because you have better systems in place. You know, you have a, you know, uh, you've scaled one business maybe and you know you can do it to this one too. Uh, and you're also going to save setup costs of shelling out a new facility and things like that. You're just jumping in where they've already started momentum and you're just going to jump over there. All the rights and assets will come under your name and your property. You'll just stick your logo on the door and basically the gym becomes under your property. You know, it becomes your business now. And ideally then you'll get this trainer who's there to actually start working for you as a contractor, uh, either as a trainer or a trainer manager, perhaps. Now, only do this if you think they they are a good trainer. If you think they can, you can help them. You can manage them. If you think they're an awful trainer and you wouldn't employ them anyway, then you know you might let them walk and find your own staff to put in there. But ideally, you want to find someone you want to help out. Someone who's a great coach, a great trainer, someone that just genuinely wants to help people. Um, but you know, financially, it's not a good place for them. And if you find that kind of person. They're going to love you for this, by the way. They're going to actually bite your hand off. And we know because we do this all the time. And every time we get a positive response like that, they say, you know, so we put the deal for them and say, look, we, you know, the business is not worth what you might think it is. Um, you know, but, you know, maybe we've added everything up. Maybe we know, okay, maybe the business is doing 10K a month, for example, but it's not making any profit yet. But we do a calculation and we know that, okay, if we took hold of this, we run our advertising systems, our management systems, all that stuff, we could pretty easily take this gym to, to maybe 15K a month with 5K profit very quickly. We know we could do that, right? And let's say we estimate we could do that in 60 days. So how we then kind of structure this deal would be, we might say, even say to the guy, and again, this is very nuanced, like I said, this is different for everyone. This is an example, okay? It can be very different. Um, you need to secure a deal your own way. But in this example, we might say, look, you're making 10K a month and we can pay we can pay 10K for this maybe, right? We'll pay up 10K for um, this business from you. And the way we're gonna do that though is most of that 10K is gonna come to you in the form of a salary or, a, or a, a contract retainer. So we might say, for example, um, you know, we, we're going to keep you on, okay? We're going to keep you on the roll. You will, uh, you know, keep working as a trainer and manager. 
okay? Only now the ultimate responsibility of the company is on us, not on you. So there's less stress, less work for them to do. They haven't got to do marketing anymore. They haven't got to do all the financial tracking. You know, you will, your team will handle most of that now, which is perfect for them. They just get to turn up, coach people, you know, manage the gym and have a better lifestyle and earn pretty much the same money they were taking before. So they were probably take, paying themselves about 2K a month before. You're going to pay them the same 2K a month and you'll say that's guaranteed for 90 days, which is what we do for all employees or contractors. It's a 90-day probation period where we then review and decide if we want to keep them on or not. So they've got to prove themselves in that 90 days and they've got to meet certain KPIs. So we would say, okay, we're going to give you 10K for this, but uh, you know, 6K of that is going to come as a guaranteed salary right over the next three months and then we've got four thousand left now the four thousand is going to be paid to them in installments they're going to finance the rest of this remember uh, and this is more of a goodwill gesture because again really you might not even have to do this you don't really have to give them four thousand but it's going to say think of the sa- the time and money it's going to save you especially if they've got a nice facility it's they've done it up they've got a client base in there They've done a lot of work, right? So you're kind of just paying them for the work they've done to get this far. And it's the best offer they're going to get. So how much you how much you break up those installments would be dependent on your plan for turning around profitability. Because what we want to do here, this is important. What we want to do is we want to release profits in the business. We want to flip the company and make it profitable. And we want to be paying paying back our um, fee to the person out of the profits that we create, all right? And not a moment sooner. So you want to know when you're going to be making profit, when you're able to turn this company around, um, how much profit you're going to be able to generate, and then you'll calculate based on that estimation how much you'll start paying them. So as an example... Let's say we're, he's doing 10K a month, and we believe, like I said, in, in, in 30 days, let's say in 30 days, we can add, we think we can add 2,000 profit to the company. So we can, we can take it to 12K a month, right? That should be pretty simple if you have good systems in place and know if you've already grown one gym successfully. You can fix things. You'll, you'll, you'll already um, have cost efficiencies, remember. So you might save 500 pounds on costs just by merging your companies together. Um, and then let's say you release 2,000 profit. So if you project in 30 days, you can have 2,000 profit there. Then you probably want to start paying him back uh, maybe 20 to 30% of that profit as your installments. So for example, so we had 4K left to pay, right? We've paid him 6,000 is coming as his salary and there's 4,000 left. Let's say we give him 10% up front, right? So we'll give you 10% of the, of the 4,000 up front as a goodwill gesture or starting bonus salary. And then the remaining 3,600 is going to come over the next 12 months, right? So the 36, um, or over the next however many months now, 3,600 then over the next 12 months works out to just 300 pounds a month. You have to pay him, uh, which he'll get on top of his salary. So if you can release 600 to 1,000 pounds of profit in the company, you can pay him 300 easily out of that profit. And therefore, this is how 
And also his salary is going to come after 30 days too. So he's not going to get paid his first salary uh, until the end of the month. Because that's how we work with employees and contractors is they work for the month and then they get paid. So you are putting, the only money you're actually putting down in this scenario would be 400, the 400 pounds goodwill upfront 10% payment. He's going to then wait in 30 days time. He'll then get his first 2000 pounds retainer check and he'll get the 300 pounds which you'll pay out of profits. Okay, so this is a this is just a typical kind of example. I mean, every deal is different. Don't try and apply this to everyone you meet. <laughs> There's a lot of variables involved. It's, you know, buying a company is it's a complex procedure. I mean, it's not complex in like legally. I, I mean, there's a lot of factors to put in to come up with a, a good deal for everyone. Uh, but this is like a kind of example of what's possible and the kind of thing that we look for. Um, so it's like kind of like when you're looking to buy a house or properties, you have a certain type of property that you're looking for that you know how to turn around. We're the same with businesses. You know, I, I know a certain type of studio facility size and what kind of revenue they make and their cash flow position. And that's what helps me know that's the kind of deal that works best for me that I can get the most benefit from with the least uh, risk. So, so you know, another quick tip you could do as well is, um, and we do this sometimes, it's a goodwill gesture, that if the person, like again, a lot of fit pros would bite your hand off for that deal. If they were in the situation, the example I outlined, they would be more than happy to do that. Um, but sometimes they might just, they might turn the deal down. They know it financially makes sense, because they've struggled for five, seven years and haven't been able to do this on their own. And they've actually just realized they're not entrepreneurs. But they might just have a sentimental attachment to the company and they might resist the deal just because of sentimental value because it's like their baby, right? So what you can do to get around this that actually might benefit you in the long run is you can actually um, say to them, look, let's sweeten the deal. We'll keep the deal exactly the same as it is but we're also going to let you keep 10% of the company, right? They can, they can stay a 10% equity shareholder in the company. Uh, they'll have no shareholder obligations or responsibilities. They have no controlling decision-making ability with that. It's just a slice of the pie is a goodwill gesture, right? So they do own a piece of the company. And that way, as you grow it then, and then you're taking over and doing all the growth for them, you're plugging in all your systems, you're you know, you're applying all the stuff you learned here or in a mentoring program. You're, grow, you're, gonna, you're gonna take it from 10K a month up to 20, 30, 40K a month with plenty of profits. You're gonna turn this business around and his 10% is gonna be worth more and more money over time, right? Because um, right now the 10% is worth like nothing, but if you turn it into a company that's valued at, at 500 grand in, in a couple of years from now, his 10% is worth 50K. Right, which you could then buy back off him, or he could sell, or whatever. So, so this does solve the sentimental value problem a little bit, but also it's good because you do want this guy to, or, or girl to end up running the place for you, right? Ultimately, if they're if they're pretty good at their job, you want them just to manage the place for you, right? Because it's just easier, and they know the place, and the clients know them, and there'll be a smooth transition. And if that's the case, then you can tell him you know, if he hits certain KPIs, if they run this place properly and do as you tell them and they show good you know, improvement, you could even you could even factor in a deal where you say if they can hit certain performance targets every year, 
you might even start trickling back small bits of equity to them. Maybe you'll give them an extra 5% of the equity back over the next five years, you know, 1% a year, if they, if them as a manager help you meet the performance targets. So they could actually get 15% of the company back over time if they do their job well. And that's a good incentive then that really keeps them motivated, keeps them inspired, um, and they'll do better work for you. So that's, that's you know, something you can do to sweeten the deal as well. It doesn't have to be a full buyout. Um, if, if you do this kind of thing where you take a, just a majority of the equity, uh, that's what we call a recap, uh, a recapitalization, where basically you'll take over most of the company, to, you, you control the company and grow it um, so that you can do what you like with it later. Um, so that's some tips on that. Again, different stuff than you've probably heard before, I know, but let me know if you found this interesting. I'd love to get your feedback on this. Um, this is something I've been doing again for many years. It's one of the prime reasons we can grow so fast and have multiple locations is that we're, you know, but, but now as we approach 20, the year 2020, more fit pros are hitting the wall. They're struggling with cash flow. They're looking for a way out. Most of them are looking for a nine to five job. So remember with this, you're giving someone a lifeline. You're not ripping their life's work from them. You're saying, look, if you're struggling with cash flow and you just want to coach people, you don't want to do all this business stuff, then how about we give you an opportunity where you can still make some money, still have a good job, do what you love to do, get paid for it, maybe even keep a part of the equity, but let us come in and deploy our systems and run and grow this business like we've proven we know how to do, right? And that's why, again, this is generally for those of you who are doing, probably doing, you know, 10, 15, 20K or more a month already with a successful facility. And you're looking now just to expand, but just to leapfrog quicker rather than start location two all from scratch. You can actually start riding the waves and taking the assets that other fit pros have invested in, but they don't know how to monetize um, or capitalize on. And they want to get out of the game this can be a better alternative for them than having to go to a nine to five job that they hate for the rest of their life. Um, and this is a way out for them. And again, most fit pros you approach this to will actually be very pleasantly surprised and grateful for the offer. All right, guys, let me know your feedback on this. Again, I haven't really taught this much outside of my private mentorship clients. So it'd be great to hear your feedback, hear your take on this. If you have any questions, um, let me know, shoot them at me, find me on Facebook and, uh, share this on with anyone, anyone else you think it might help. See you guys soon.